0: in uh, our Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. On Sunday morning, we're studying uh, the book of Colossians in in a series entitled, Give Me Jesus. And once again, today, we come uh, this morning to a single verse, uh, verse 39. And I'll let you find your way there before I read it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Interesting, huh? Let's, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the institution of marriage, and we thank you for every bit of instruction that you give us in order that it might be the incredible and and beautiful and uh, You-honoring, God-honoring thing that You want it to be in our lives and in this world. And we pray that You would give us ears to hear uh, Your Spirit speak to us from this passage today, and we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Once again, we remember that this section of the book of Colossians, Paul is instructing the church there and us in terms of where uh, real spiritual maturity and depth is found in the Christian life, and uh, that it's found in uh, very different places than uh, in kind of the spiritually exotic and rarefied uh, things that the false teachers were teaching, that these kind of things could be found in our lives, but rather that uh, they are found in uh, simply obeying God's commandments in just the nitty-gritty and the ordinary and the daily of our lives. And honoring God as he lays out here in this section in our marriages, honoring uh, the Lord as wives, as husbands, as parents, as children, as employers and as employees and, and so forth. And so often I think people view Christianity uh, based upon a saying that's become popular within the culture uh, through the years and that it is simply uh, pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, that really Christianity only really offers us something in terms of after this life and it's all about after this life and the heaven that follows and all of the promises associated with that. <clears throat> and anyone that has that perception of Christianity, of course, has never uh, really read the Bible And uh, because uh, the Bible doesn't just offer us hope concerning the life to come. It certainly does that. But it addresses every area of our lives and of, uh, that we live now in a very practical, uh, practical way and, in order that we might enjoy uh, the highest quality of life that a person uh, can live, that we might… Uh, 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 Christianity produces the highest quality wife, the highest quality uh, husband, the highest quality marriage, the highest quality uh, parent and child, employer, employee, as, as we've mentioned, for example. And last week we examined how all of uh, all of this in the context of the role of wife, uh, the wife in marriage, and this week we turn now to the husband. And the Holy Spirit's instruction to the husband is really twofold. It's made up of two commands here, and one of them positive and one of them negative, the positive being, husbands are to love their wives, and then the negative, husbands are not to be bitter toward their wives. And so we begin with that, examining the command, husbands, love your wives. Now on the surface, it seems uh, as to be a very, very simple, uh, straightforward uh, command. Uh, it's just made up of four words. You have uh, husbands at one end uh, of the command, at the other end, your wives, the two words there, and then in, in the middle is this command uh, to love. Love constitutes the center of, uh, of, of the command, that single great word. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, I look at a command like that, that commands me to love my wife, and I determine, as a good Christian, to uh, immediately obey it. And so I throw on my hands and uh, my gloves and I throw on my hat and I head out the door, so to speak, and now I'm going to do as God has commanded me now to go and love my wife. And I don't get two steps out the door, so to speak, uh, before it dawns on me. I don't have the slightest idea what that looks like. Uh, I, I, it, 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 love is such a huge, massive thing such a gigantic subject that uh, the command to love, the command to love my wife, basically just sends my entire head uh, spinning. It really paralyzes me. I'm immediately filled with questions like, what does that look like? What exactly is uh, God uh, asking of me here? Where do I start? And uh, what does that look like practically? Uh, Does it look like diamonds and uh, fancy cars and uh, exotic vacations as the uh, uh, advertisements in the magazines uh, so often uh, uh, portray it all all around us? And... um, And so this is where uh, uh, my mind goes. Now, there are other husbands that are completely different, and uh, they might not be paralyzed by the command at all. It doesn't intimidate them in any way. There's no wonder associated with it at at all. Uh, Their tendency is to assume they know exactly what love is. And uh, they know exactly what Paul is commu- uh, commanding here, and they proceed to fill it in with their own definition of love, and uh, which ends up being pretty uh, self-focused uh, and self-serving uh, and convenient, and then they proceed to love their wives on the basis of their own definitions, and they assume that they are now uh, safely obeying uh, the command. But Paul's command to husbands to love their wives was a lot clearer and it was a lot more well-defined in the minds of the readers of this letter 2,000 years ago for the simple reason that when the letter was written, it was written in uh, the Greek language as opposed to English. In the English language, we have only one word for love, and that is the word love. And as a result, I am forced to express my love for God, to express my love uh, for my wife, for my family, uh, for football, for basketball, and uh, for pasta and pizza and uh, warm chocolate chip cookies coming right out of the oven with a glass of milk, all with the same word. Uh, despite the fact that how I love my wife and how I love warm chocolate chip cookies are two entirely different things, but I'm forced to use the same uh, word. Now, in the Greek language, the language of the ancient world and the language of the New Testament, there are multiple words for uh, love. And thus, within the Greek language, the opportunity to express uh, the differentiation between the various kind of loves that we uh, feel. For instance, one of the Greek words for love is the word eros, and we get our English word uh, erotic from it, and it describes love on a physical plane. And it is a, uh, this love is a very self-centered love. It is a very conditional love. So much so that eros is oftentimes referred to as the if love. I love you if you look a certain way physically. But if your looks change, then eros will fade and then ultimately it will disappear. Eros will not endure wrinkles or weight gain, or poor health, or declining health, or any self-sacrifice at all. And because of that, Eros is a very, very shaky foundation upon which to build any relationship uh, that we desire to be a long-lasting relationship because things change physically over time. Then there's the Greek word phileo, and it's the foundation for uh, uh, our city of Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. And uh, it speaks of love on the emotional or the intellectual uh, plane. And this phileo love is not quite as shallow as uh, the eros love, but it is still very shallow and uh, still very, very uh, self-centered and conditional. And it is oftentimes referred to as the because love. I love you because of what you are emotionally. I love you because of what you are uh, intellectually. But if you change intellectually or you change emotionally in any way, then this love will go up in smoke uh, as well. And then there's the Greek word that Paul uses here in verse 19 for the love with which we are to love uh, our wives, and it's the word uh, agape. And this, this is the word that is used for the love that has its source in God. It is a love that God brings into our lives by the Holy Spirit when we are born again and become uh, Christians. Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, Not one person that does not know Christ uh, experiences or operates or expresses agape love. Only the Holy Spirit can produce it uh, within, within our lives. This agape love is called the anyway love. I love you no matter uh, what you are or aren't physically. I love you no matter what you are or aren't emotionally or uh, intellectually. And so this love loves anyway. And it is the word that God uses to describe in the Bible His love for us. For God so loved the world... Uh, God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting uh, life. And this agape love is not conditional. It does not, as uh, Shakespeare uh, put it, alter when it alteration finds. And this love is supremely concerned about the other person. It will always do what is best for the other person. And now when we understand it like that, for someone like me as a husband, that starts to give me uh, a starting point. It allows me to get my head around it in terms of practically what is God telling me to express toward my wife and how uh, to uh, treat her. And so first of all, this love, it's unconditional and second, this agape love that God calls us to have toward our wife is always does always what is best for the other person, what is for our wives. Now, uh, in this, there is the recognition that what is best for the other person may not always be easiest. And this is where um, God's definitions of love are very different from the definitions of, of the world. The idea of love is that uh, uh, that you never ask anything hard, anything difficult. If you really love a person, then you'll give them everything that they want, whether it's right or it will harm them or damage them. And, uh, but this agape love loves the other person and does what's best for them, even when sometimes that best is a hard thing to do. So God loves us with agape love. He always works in a way that is best for our lives, But what he does isn't always easy in our lives. Sometimes what he uh, does in our lives can be very, very hard for us, but he knows in the immediate and in the future, uh, this is the very best thing that can happen to us. And so that's why he does it, even though it may be difficult on the short term. And so this love is a strong and a holy and a righteous love. But in loving our wives uh, as husbands, uh, we are to ask ourselves, what would be best uh, for her in this decision? What would be best for her in this conversation? What would be best for her in this situation? And then uh, doing that. And I think that as husbands, without a command like this, uh, the reason, I think, that you wonder why did he uh, de- address the wives first before the husbands, the, the authority given to the husband and then the submission and all, why this order? And then, and then talking about us in a, a, a second here in the progression. I think it's be- one reason is because as husbands, without a command like this, we might use our God-given authority to wrongly Assume that God has given us this authority in order to make uh, every decision based upon uh, self-love, how it would be uh, best for me. And if I do that as a husband, I'm going to end up with a very, very uh, one-sided marriage. And ultimately, that can not only do harm to the marriage and harm to our wives, but Ultimately, if a person has any kind of uh, maturity period in the world, any kind of life experience, but certainly if we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we continue to grow spiritually uh, in our lives, to treat our lives in such a one-sided way that that authority is given for me to have my best life now or whatever, that, you know, that I'm, I'm seeking and wanting and all, that uh, one day that can lead to terrible regret in any husband. And uh, when he looks back on such a life, the light goes on and he realizes this has been all about me. And I used uh, the authority that God gave me, not uh, to better my wife and do what was best for her, but always for me. And your wife and my wife, it's always good to be reminded of it, is a real, living, complicated human being who, marvel of marvels, has chosen you and me of all of the people in the entire world Out of seven billion people, they chose you, they chose me to spend their single lone lifetime with us. They don't have nine lives, they don't have ten lives, they have one life, and they have chosen to spend the entirety of it uh, with us in this wonderful holy matrimony. And of course, as husbands, as Paul is uh, prodding us here, we don't. uh, We want them to look upon that decision fondly in their life. We don't want them to look uh, uh, further down the road and regret the decision that they've made. And so. Uh, the the uh, looking at them and saying, "I want to, uh, her to have the very best life that I can provide, and not only materially, uh, but uh, and not even supremely materially, but emotionally and spiritually by loving her and caring uh, for her." They have chosen to marry us to be united with us in this unique way all the days of our life. And to me, that is such a humbling commitment that is being made, such a humbling uh, uh, privilege and responsibility uh, that uh, the only response that is worthy of it uh, is love. Now, of course, uh, Jesus is the single greatest definition and the single greatest example of love in, in human history. And as a result for us as husbands uh, who are trying to get our heads around this thing uh, we're commanded to do in loving our wives, uh, he provides us with very, uh, ver- another very helpful means for doing so. By simply asking ourselves, what would Jesus do in this situation or decision or conversation with my wife? And then determining that on the basis of the Jesus that we see in the scriptures and then doing that, allowing what Jesus would do if he were in my shoes to then guide our thinking and our doing and our saying in life. uh, and all of that, what would Jesus do, is important in every area of the Christian life. But I would contend it's perhaps never more important than uh, the part of a husband in the marriage relationship concerning our wives. For a couple reasons. First, in Paul's enlargement upon this whole subject of marriage in, in his uh, letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, he plainly declared... Husbands, love your wives, and then here it is. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He pulls Jesus in as our great example in how we are to treat uh, our uh, wives in his treatment of, uh, of the church. In other words, Jesus is to be our single great role model in all of this. And we are to love our wives as self-sacrificially as he does the church and as he uh, did the church. And, and paying particular attention to things that we would tend to not concentrate on when we, when we view how Jesus uh, conducted himself and his interactions with his followers and with the disciples. Paying particular attention to his grace uh, toward the the disciples, uh, toward his patience with the disciples, toward his forgiveness in that relationship, his servant-heartedness, his unfailing uh, politeness, his uh, his, uh, encouragement, his commitment, and uh, loving uh, spiritual leadership that he continually extended to To the disciples and second all of this is important to uh, what would Jesus do uh, supremely important as a consideration for husbands because we are the ones who are modeling before the world the love of Christ for the church in our marriage even as God calls uh, wives then to represent the church in their submission to Christ Paul put it this way again in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So what God intends is that uh, when any of our unsaved or even saved, but anybody in our family, anybody in our neighborhood, anybody in our workplace, anybody that would look at our lives as Christians and and a a marriage, a husband and wife, that they would be able to look then at the treatment of the husband of his wife as an example of Jesus' love toward the church. And then, looking at the wife 's submission to the authority of the husband to see in her the submission of the church to the leadership and authority uh, of the husband and the christian the Christian marriage is to be one of the greatest advertisements uh, for Christianity that exists in the entire uh, Uh, world. And that's the intention. What would Jesus do is very, very helpful for us as husbands uh, because that is who we represent in our marriage. Now, another very solid uh, and I think very easy way to figure out how to love and to treat our wives is to just simply Um, Apply the golden rule, as Jesus, uh, the saying of Jesus was put: "Do unto others as you would want to have done uh, unto you." And just to ask ourselves, in our role as husbands, to look and to say, "Put myself in her shoes, related to this conversation, this decision, whatever is situation. If I was in her shoes." What would I want someone in my position to do for me? and then to proceed to uh, do that. And as we would do that, we will find ourselves to be on very, very safe ground in terms of loving uh, our wives in the way that God calls us to do so. And the Apostle Paul, he says uh, uh, just as, uh, uh, this uh, just as much in, in, uh, again in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And he said, so husbands... Ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. We are all none of us needs an education on loving ourselves. Uh, And so none of us really needs an education on uh, if I put myself in her shoes in this situation to figure out what we would want and then to extend that uh, to her. I think a final uh, point in this particular regard is to notice that this agape love that God calls us to here in our marriages, it is not a supremely an emotion It's not an emotion that we're supposed to wait for, and every uh, once in a while when we feel it, uh, we run from one room to the other and we hug our wives. Uh, If it was an emotion, uh, Paul couldn't command us to do it. God couldn't command us to do it. You can't command emotions. So this command to love is is not something that is supremely uh, a- an emotion that we're to wait for, be overcome by it, and then, a- 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 and, and then love our-, our wives in this way. Jesus, when on the night before his crucifixion, uh, the next day the cross is coming, Jesus did not have uh, a-, a warm and fuzzy emotional kind of uh, uh, experience Uh, related to the thought of the cross coming the next day, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before. And uh, he cries out to the Father, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass uh, from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But what happens the next day? Before noon comes, there he is on a Roman cross, Not because he did what was emotional, but because he did what was best for us in that that particular uh, situation. And agape love is not expressed as an emotion supremely, but it is expressed as an act of our will. Why can we love this way? Because God has supplied us by his Holy Spirit with the will to do and the power to do, the desire to do and the power to do, of his good pleasure include in, in obeying God in, in loving uh, in this way. And so this agape love is an act of our will. It is an act of our worship toward the Lord, and it is done in the power uh, that's provided to us by the Holy Spirit. And and nobody could keep uh, these commands concerning marriage in any marriage. I don't care how nice the people are that are in it and all. uh, Nobody, all of this would be impossible without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But it will uh, never happen. The the fulfilling of the wives submitting to their own husbands, husbands loving their wives, that will never occur in in a marriage. Uh, until uh, on the part of both, but we're talking about husbands here today, it'll never happen unless my relationship with God is uh, one that is supremely important in my life. And very often you'll, you'll hear people talk about their marriage as if their marriage is some kind of a, a little compartment within their life or that marriage is a self-existent, uh, independent thing uh, within the area of their lives. And they might say, Oh, I need to work on my marriage is something that we often hear as if our marriage exists independent of the rest of my spiritual life or as if my marriage can be any more spiritual than, uh, than I am in the rest of my sp- uh, uh, spiritual life. It can never arise. Uh, our obedience to these commands, a Christian marriage, will never arise above the, the spiritual life and uh, spiritual uh, love for God on the part of both people that are in the marriage. Now, Paul gives this prohibition here, and it 's an interesting one. You read the Bible and you think, "What in the world is is that all about?" And, and, but he, he gives the prohibition uh, to the husbands and do not be bitter toward them or toward your wife. so clearly, this represents a temptation on on the part of, of husbands to be bitter toward Our wives and the idea is uh, we might put it in different words to kind of bring out the meaning Uh, we're not to become harsh with them we're not uh, to or or angry toward them and so bitterness and harshness or anger are not to mark our attitudes toward our wives um, our words toward our wives um, our actions Uh, toward our wives because of course to do so would be a violation of the commandment that precedes it and that is to love our wives when you look at Jesus Jesus never treats us as Christians with bitterness never does it never treats us with uh, harshness never treats us with a carnal anger he just uh, does not uh, do that now in this vein in terms of some practicality here, uh, no husband, Christian husband, is ever to expect perfection from his wife and then become frustrated with her uh, because she is not uh, perfect. We must not expect perfection of her any more than God expects perfection of us in our relationship with Him. If God brought an expectation of uh, uh, perfection into this relationship with us, and we fell short of uh, that perfection, and then He proceeded to deal with us uh, with bitterness or with harshness or to shun us in some kind of a way, there would be no hope for the relationship. We could How would any of us fare in a relationship like that? The marriage relationship has to be based upon grace. The recognition, no other expectation brought in the marriage except that both the husband and the wife are marrying a sinner. They are marrying a fallen uh, human being. Uh, and, and they are marrying someone who is, is, is an imperfect human being. And that's what marriage is. It's the uniting of, of two sinners. Another thing that no uh, Christian husband uh, ought ever to do is to refi- refuse to accept a woman's emotional differences uh, as a, a woman. And sometimes this is a great frustration for men. Uh, they, they, want, they want a wife, uh, but they wish she was a little bit more like a man uh, emotionally. Uh, they like the fact that physically she's different than a man but really if they had their ideal they would have a woman's body with a man's emotions and everything would go a lot uh, more smoothly but that's but that's not how uh, it, it works and that's not the glory and the the, the beauty uh, of uh, of all of it and so th- it can be a frustration and they are going to be different in this way And it's wonderful that it's so. No Christian husband should ever refuse his wife um, her non-sinful personality or her uh, quirks or to put her down uh, for those things. Everyone has a personality. We all have uh, quirks. I don't have to... I don't get to have everything... None of us get to have... Everything in a marriage exactly the way that we would want them. And there can be things that you could look at a husband, look at a wife, and say, if I had my choice, that would be different maybe uh, related uh, to her or uh, 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 to him. And so there, there's, there's these characteristics that, and, and quirks that we all have and, and personality that we bring in, into a marriage. And we are not free to conform her into our image where you just crush uh, her, you crush uh, all of the the things that are non-sinful but we don't like, and then you can form her uh, into, uh, we, into our own image, and we crush what God intended her to be and made her into. And, and so often, a woman that is in this kind of a situation, after months or years in it, she'll say, he never lets me grow as a person or he'll never accept me for who I am. Again, not talking about sinful behavior, but just uh, accepting that as much as we are as husbands wanting to enjoy life and become who and what we desire to become in life, they have the same longing uh, for that in their lives, and marriage is not to uh, circumvent that. And then much less uh, for us as husbands are we to use our God-given authority within a marriage to ever uh, bully or to intimidate her. I dislike bullies intensely. And uh, whether they're verbal or whether they're physical, I just don't like them at all. I have a, I have a short fuse related to them. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that in the average marriage, all things being equal, unless there's a great age difference that is involved or health issues that are, are involved, probably 95% of the time, 95% plus, the husband is much stronger than the wife. We could whoop her any old time uh, we, we wanted to. And so there's that capacity that we have to intimidate and to bully in a way that she does not have to bring back uh, our way. And no husband is to do that uh, or to abuse her in any way. Uh, certainly physically or emotionally or uh, verbally, kind of berating her, yelling at her, or humiliating her and uh, belittling uh, her. That is n- not what God calls us to as, as uh, 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 husbands. Or at the other end of the spectrum, you have certain husbands that will, they will not yell or they won't berate, but they'll go into the silent treatment and uh, they 'll go into the passive aggressive thing at the other end, and they won 't say anything to her for hours or days or or even weeks and and all of it is is abusive in its uh, in its own way. Uh, we certainly uh, shouldn 't use god 's given authority in our our life to uh, lord our position over them, always showing them who's the boss or proving that we're the boss or in any kind of insecurity or treating her as a slave whose sole purpose is to make uh, life better for me. That's what God gave a woman for and uh, this kind of thing. And I kid about it, but there's people that actually uh, live that way. Uh, when I was growing up, in in the home I grew up uh, there's a lot of all this stuff that went on bullying intimidation horrible verbal arguments and uh, the bloodiest bloody 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 violence that went on in the home and I can tell you uh, to this day if I ever see it in a man there is zero respect I have for a man that resorts to those things in the treatment of a woman and then I put myself, uh, and here I am, just a mere fallen sinful man with certain life experiences, and uh, put myself in the place of God as he w- would witness that kind of thing and imagine what he would think of it. Now, in all of this, I think it's important to remember what the Apostle Peter wrote uh, in this vein as well. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 He said, husbands, uh, likewise, uh, dwell with them with uh, knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, speaking physically, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And for me as a husband uh, to realize that my wife, our wives, are uh, an equal heir with us of the grace of life. She is our equal spiritually. We may be given, are given that authority within the home, but it does not mean that we are more uh, spiritual than her. A Christian husband and a Christian wife, they both share the same God. We share the same Lord. We share the same uh, creator. And in fact, in the original creation, when God created Adam and created Eve, he declared both to be created in the image of God. It wasn't just Adam created in the image of God and then, oh, by the way, Eve is just an afterthought. Declared both to be created in the image of God. And if... Uh, she's a Christian. She enjoys an equal standing before God. She has a, a, has just as equally as we do the gift of everlasting life. Jesus died for his sin, her sins as much as he ever died for mine. Jesus loves her uh, just as much as, as uh, uh, he loves us. And I think it's helpful to uh, remember in our treatment of our wives that she is a daughter uh, of uh, God. And if you really want to get on the wrong side of a father, mistreat his daughter. And, uh, and, uh, and in my treatment of my wife, Karen, I'm conscious of the fact that she is loved by God, that she is treasured by, uh, by her heavenly father, and that I married one of her daughters. And it does me a, a very good thing in, in my life and in my heart, uh, to uh, be reminded of that. as the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, chapter five verse 29, "We are only to use our greater physical strength in a marriage, to nourish and to cherish and to protect our wives. They should never fear uh, any other use. Of our greater physical strength within the marriage uh, relationship and within uh, the home. Now, l- let me close here with a, uh, by giving you uh, uh, allowing having you allow me an illustration um, to describe a a scenario a very sad scenario uh, that has uh, uh, played out with variations. Uh, more than once through the years, in in my office, uh, a husband and a, a wife they come in for marriage counseling, and their marriage is a shamble. It is it is a disaster uh, from every angle you would would want to look at it, and clearly both the husband and the wife are uh, they they are absolutely miserable within the marriage, and uh, so. Uh, I'm a patient listener, and I like to hear before I speak about anything, and so tell me what you come here for and describe what we've got going on here. And so they begin to lay out all of the problems, all of the complaints concerning uh, one another, how long all of this has been going on in him and her and within uh, the marriage, and how big the problems are now, and, and the problems, because they are so have been around for so long that that um, they're now hopelessly complex a- a- as a result, and they're convinced that there's no hope for their marriage at all. And uh, the whole reason for the appointment is just to come in, and, uh, a- a- and uh, they want to end it, and, and they merely want my blessing as a pastor in order to do so. So after listening to everything that they have to say, I will explain to them what is, and this isn't always the case, but it is the case with a certain kind of situation that is a regular kind of situation. And so I'll explain to them um, uh, 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 that as massive and as awful and serious uh, the problems are that they've laid out before me, that these are not the greatest of their problems, that the, but that all of these things are merely symptoms of the real problem that lies at the center of all of the other uh, symptom problems that they're, that they're laying out. And and in, in this kind of a circumstance, uh, I will tell them which is that they haven't given God's commands in the marriage any serious consideration in their marriage, or uh, much less any obedience to that. And and as, as you talk with her in terms of her submission to him and his authority, and what that and how he and, there, and there's zero obedience on on any of that. Nothing, there's nothing that's there uh, uh, on either part in the marriage and and in the middle uh, of the mess. And their core problem is their disobedience to God's commandments concerning marriage. She doesn't submit unto him as unto the Lord. He doesn't love her as Christ loves the church. And it's not like God has given husbands and wives 60 commandments, just one. There's just one. It it is amazing how simple in his word God has made marriage in terms of the command. She is to submit unto him as unto the Lord. He is to love her as Christ loves um, the church. And here uh, uh, they think they have a marriage problem when in fact what they have is a lordship problem. They haven't settled the issue of Jesus' lordship in their own life, and they certainly haven't uh, settled the issue of Jesus' lordship within uh, their uh, marriage. And that is the big problem. Sometimes a light will go on at that point, and then what happens after that point is usually very interesting. Because they've done so much damage to uh, the marriage and to one another by this point. She will look at me and in all sincerity say uh, something like, I will submit to him as soon as he starts to love me like Christ loves the church. And he doesn't even need a nudge to chime in what you know he's going to chime in. And I will love her as Christ loves the church as soon as she will submit to me. And then you've got the, the great... Uh, stalemate. And of course that's a marriage that's going nowhere. And then I will typically say to a couple in this situation, so uh, let me see if I've got this right. You are about to end a marriage that neither one of you has given God even the slightest opportunity to work in. You have no idea what this marriage is intended to be. You have no idea what God intends it to be or what it could be. Because you've never given Him what He wants to in this, this situation and, 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 and to work. And then I'll pose the question, all of this very cordially and very nice, but I, I'll say something. Do you? Think if you end this marriage now that knowing that you have not given God what he wants to work with in your marriage from your life, that one day as a Christian you will live to deeply, deeply regret that decision and wonder what it might have been if either of you or both of you had simply obeyed what God wanted from you in the marriage and made so simple is to make it a single commandment. And I'll tell them that here's what needs to happen. What needs to happen, the start of all of this is just to pray something like, Lord, and the power of your Holy Spirit, I commit to obey you and your word. No matter what the other partner does here, And I commit to obeying you and your commandments, not just in the realm of my marriage, but in the realm of my entire life. No matter who else in the entire world makes this commitment to you, I choose to give you my obedience to work with in this uh, marriage. And if we never give God our obedience, we will never know what he might have done. And, uh, but if you give him your obedience, not hers, not his, not waiting, all of that, we give him our obedience, the only obedience any of us can offer to God within a, within a marriage, it, it is only then uh, that we will be able to see what it is that God uh, has in mind for uh, our uh, marriage. And so then I'll look at it and say now, in the light of that commitment, now let's start to tackle all of those symptom sins, their sins nonetheless, and bring them in alignment with uh, your submission to these these particular commandments. And then we move forward in trying to help them in their marriage. Now my intention in uh, saying all of this is not to... Uh, be harsh with anyone or to come across as a know-it-all or that, because that, um, I'm preaching to myself here uh, today as well. But, but the whole idea, I, I don't want to condemn anyone unnecessarily. Paul certainly didn't have that intention in writing all of this uh, to condemn. The, in, uh, the intention was to instruct. The intention was uh, in order to in- encourage and bless, for to be redemptive, to help them. And so we look at what we looked at last week. We look at what we looked this week not to supply us with, you know, weapons in a marriage to then throw like medieval axes at one another now uh, that we're more well-versed on the other person's uh, role uh, in, in the marriage. I mentioned the latter example and all of these things, but the latter example because it is amazing through the years how many Christians come to a place, in my experience, come to a place where they are going to end their marriage and neither one of them has given God any opportunity to do what he wanted to do with the marriage. And sometimes you just need someone to say it like that and the light goes on. And immediately hope gets reintroduced into the marriage and the situation. Because any situation that God is involved in, there's hope in that, that situation. And so if you sit here this morning and your marriage is in uh, some trouble uh, uh, this morning. And it's uh, beyond your ability to get your mind around. What are, what are even the problems? You can't even begin to understand it. It's, it's been going on for so long. Both the husband and the wife just feels like this is a hopeless situation. And it's just going to be grin and bear it until we can live our three score and ten and get into heaven where there is no marriage. And... Uh, uh, and, and you look and you say, we don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin in, in terms of, of all of this. I need a set of spiritual eyes, sanctified eyes, caring eyes to look at our situation, to listen here, and then speak into uh, this marriage that is such a mess and so far away from what I know God wants it to be. Make an appointment and come to the church and and make an appointment to uh, counsel with one of the pastors and let them see if they can uh, help you with this and to take it apart and to help you uh, uh, rebuild it. And they'd be happy to do that. Additionally, no matter what kind of condition our marriage is in, whether it's healthy or whatever it might be. I, I want you to be aware of our marriage ministry, which meets here at the church 6.30 on uh, Wednesday evenings. And it's a great place to just grow in this uh, ministry of marriage. You know, when I stand before the Lord one day, if I'm not going to stand before the Lord and be rewarded supremely for having been a pastor. That's not, that's not the most foundational responsibility God has given to me in my life. It is that marriage. It is that marriage. So there's always room for growth and encouragement and, uh, and all. in and in that marriage ministry to go and receive instruction and... And be around people that uh, develop relationships and encouragement and fellowship and all of this kind of thing, and uh, to see if that might be something that would be helpful for you and and your husband or your wife uh, as well. Well, um, in this vein, if you sit here this morning and you are not yet a Christian, a lot of people become Christians because their world falls apart. People come to Christ in a lot of different circumstances in life, but very often the bottom falls out. And then I don't think I'm as smart as I was, or maybe I was raised in the church and I took off because I know better than God. There's a bunch of things that I want to do. And I found out that in making my own choices out in the world in violation of God's commandments was only to choose my bondage. Uh, to choose what number of things I was going to enslave myself to that would ultimately work to destroy me. But very often people come to know the Lord because uh, a marriage has gone sideways in a really bad way among the deep problems that, that can occur. And it's one of the ways for God to get our attention and to show us that we need God in this life, not just for the forgiveness of sins, not for it's not pie in the sky and the sweet by and by but we need God now and to help us in our lives and to be the lord of our lives and you're not unusual when that happens and so if you find yourself in that place or in any circumstance and you're not yet a christian you've not yet trusted in jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins they're going to be pastors and other, others up in front immediately after the service and they'd love to pray with you to begin that relationship with God that you've been created for. And so uh, allow me just a moment here to, as I do uh, close this now to just recap for us as husbands in trying to just get some practical understanding of, of what this love is and, and how to express it toward our wives. It is uh, the anyway love. It is uh, to love her anyway. It is unconditional. It always puts the other person first. It always does what is the very best for the other person, for our wives. It asks, what would Jesus do here? And then does that on behalf of our wives. And it honors the golden rule. It means... Uh, simply putting myself in her shoes and asking if I were in her shoes and someone were in my shoes, what would I want that someone to do for me? And then doing it. Very, very practical, helpful ways to take this great, gigantic, inexhaustible reality and thing called love and to put it in some bite-sized pieces in order that it might reflect our marriages, in our marriages. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time uh, in your word this morning. And we thank you for the broad diversity of things that your word addresses as we're just going through the book of Colossians how we really do, the rubber meets the road, and and it's amazing. And once again, as we began, we thank you for your commandments. We thank you for your instruction, uh, that you would even take the time to give us instruction in all the various parts of our lives. And and I pray, and we pray for one another, that whatever all of this that we've looked at this morning, whatever verse 19 is intended to accomplish, in the privacy of each of the marriages that are represented here in this room and beyond, that you would use this time and this verse to accomplish them. And Lord, we pray that you would never stop working until all of these things are accomplished, not only for your glory, Lord, but for our good. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Damian Kyle. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Damian's teaching ministry by visiting ccmodesto.com.